Welcome, everybody, to the Low Key Podcast. We are Aaron Lanton, Keith Denny, and I'm Tim Malloy. And today we are talking about The Killer, the new film from David Fincher, one of the all-time greats, and Michael Fassbender, also one of the all-time greats. Um, He plays a hired killer who bounces all around the world, dispatching people very effectively, doing lots of voiceovers, um, quoting Anton LaVey, which maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, We went into this movie, or at least I went into this movie with very high hopes because of the Fincher um, resume. What did you guys think? Who wants to go first? I'm going to let Aaron go first. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> so, so I I think similar to you, Tim, I came in with high hopes, and they were dashed for me. Yep. Um, I did not really enjoy this film very much, and it's weird because there were things about it that worked for me, and I feel like if they had been done more, would have worked better. Like, there's a lot of examples of films in the past five years, I'd say. I mean, they're definitely more history, of course, but I've, I've seen a lot of movies make a good use of silence, even Star Wars. And this movie also makes good use of silence. But man, there's something about the narration that just absolutely does not work for me. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, but mostly because it's devoid of telling me anything about the motivation of the killer. I just don't get him. I spent so much time listening to him talk, what would think to himself, and the one moment I actually really need him to talk at the very end, he just doesn't. And when he does, he says nothing. I don't understand anything about really the decisions this character makes. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I honestly feel like I don't really need to understand the character, the killer, um, that I don't feel like has a, a real name that we ever learn here. He gets a lot of the old sitcom uh, <laughs> uh, choice names, which is funny. No one caught on to that. Because um, <laughs> if, I, if I saw an Archie Bunker on, an, on a credit card, I'd, I'd be like, man, give me that ladder. I ain't see shit. Um, but in general, um, I just feel like the it, the movie misses the things that kind of are most impactful about it. Like to me, if he talks so much less, if he almost like none of that monologue, it kind of shifts the tone of the movie and makes him a little more frightening in some ways. Yeah, but it's like the more I feel like I hear him talk, the more vapid he sounds and like i just don't feel like there's clarity in what's being done and the things that might impact him eventually become more empathetic where he gets to the end and decides not to complete the whole you know revenge plot and see what happened but i don't feel like i got to understand it there's so much telling in this movie and and in the, the times it really needs to show it chooses not to and that makes it a frustrating film for me understandable I think one of the biggest problems that you're kind of bringing up about this film is this is one of those things that you know you talk, it's kind of like right on one like it, what is the thing that makes us want to follow the character right yeah why should we give 
two shits about the character. You know, we were talking about the raid the other day, um, the raid films, right? And then the first mm -hmm. raid, there's this whole thing in the beginning where the main character, before he even goes on this whole thing, um, this whole, this, this big action thing that happens in the film, you know that he has at least, the very least, people that he cares about. Like he has his wife and he has his kids and stuff like that. And to an extent, just that in itself. And you know he his relationship with his brother. So you care that this person actually survives, right? And this mm -hmm. film is like, I found myself every time watching it, I'm like, man, I kind of want, I kind of want somebody to kill him. You know what I mean? Like even when he was fighting against the guy that was considered to be the brute, I was like, man, I kind of want this guy to win. Yeah. And and that's that's not good for a protagonist, I feel, unless unless it's like intentional. But I think we have to see ourselves in some type of way in the character to for us, and, and maybe this is just my opinion, for us to even want to follow the character on this journey. Can, can I say something real quick about that? Uh -huh. I think the movie in some ways is choosing some cheats to try to do this. You mentioned this many times before about the use of music and how you hate you sometimes to like substitute for certain stuff in the scene that could be done more effectively a different way mm -hmm. and I felt like there were so many times I was listening to the movie and I'm like okay I know they picked the song here I happen not to really know this song are they trying to use the song or like the feeling and the vibes from it to kind of get me to connect with that character like I kind of I don't know like I was wondering like what what were was what was the song supposed to be the appeal of us being there because that's what I was talking about like the idea to be watching like an astute killer in their element at the beginning is almost like he's gonna show us how to do it like that was kind of the appeal of being present with yeah. the killer yeah I think, I think another part of it the only thing that I can say that I do relate to the protagonist is and I'm, I'm trying to I've been trying to figure out how to put this into words because it's a very methodical film in its own way because it's very atmospheric and there's a lot of um mood and everything to the to the film but there's also this part of like just him carrying out things in such a um i won't say laid back way but so procedural in a sense that's mm -hmm. not different than in, in my opinion me sitting at my desk doing work for like eight hours or whatever or more akin to a person who has a job where he has to travel and do this and do that you know but they did make it seem like they watched him go through the hotel, rent the car, and all that. And and the the movie really is, I guess if I say if the thing to relate to, if you have a person and they're a perfectionist in some type of way, like I have, I have a coworker in particular that's literally a perfectionist, right? Mm -hmm. So like if anything is wrong, and I'm talking about just to like a small bit of tea, and it just just throws her off, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that might be a part of it. Like he's just felt like he's so good at his job one particular day he misses he misses a shot and then from there it's just let me let me close the loop on everything else you know because I, so, I so, feel like it was a revenge thing more so than it was a um I'm a I'ma show you how effective I truly am because it so, was a whole thing where mm -hmm. I felt in some type of way um, slighted you know because you remember he hung up on the guy when he first told him like hey you 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 fucked up, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I think he had in his mind, like, I want, I'm, I'm going to show that I'm effective. 
like he, I think even if they didn't, didn't beat up his little girlfriend, he would have probably still went on his little rampage in some type of way. It just gave him more of a reason to do so. But, but and, and the thing is, I, Tim, I definitely want to hear your overall thoughts. One thing I want to come back to eventually, and, and maybe Tim, you maybe you have thoughts on this, is just like that initial thing. So like the the jumping off point for the plot when the action finally starts happening is that he missed the shot. And they don't ever get back into it. And it's like, I don't need an answer for it, but I don't feel like I understand anything about what happened with it. Because he had the ideal conditions. You mean why he missed? Yeah. Well, the girl got in front of him. Yeah, just the addition, just the wild card of the sex worker. Yeah, but like he had a clear shot a few times and he didn't take it. Like saying, like if you actually like watching, Russell well, is waiting for his um, pulse to drop below sixty, right? No, but it had dropped. I'm saying, like, if you go back and look, there's a point where it had already dropped below sixty. He had two opportunities to just do it. She was not in the way. He just didn't I think he take got it. Like I think he did. I think it showed how confident he was and how you know set in his ways and how bored he was with the job that he did get cocky at one point and probably should have made that shot. I mean, they sort of show why he didn't make the shot. He didn't make the shot because he wasn't at the top of his game. Like, he was mm-hmm. maybe yeah, that made a little bit. I also wonder if it was this thing of subconsciously messing up. Because I was thinking about this, too. Like, it's kind of like, for example, sometimes I feel so miserable about my job that sometimes I just want to get fired. I'm, I'm just saying that. <laughs> like, it's not that I would, like, not your current job, but past jobs. I don't care. <laughs> but the point is that sometimes I feel like, but because when you, and also when you get to that point, you're a little bit more brazen in things that you would say that you probably wouldn't say when you well, sure, yeah. stay at the job. So I was, and the reason why I'm bringing that up because when he was sitting with the expert that was played by her name, Tind- Tindall Sweet. Tindall Swinton? Yeah. Like, and she yeah. told the story about the bear and the in the hunter. Yeah. And you remember it and how I got my understanding of, of the whole tale was that the bear was coming there to be sodomized each time. Because every time he tried to kill the bear, he never killed the bear. And each time he the bear gave him a choice. But you, you know what the problem is with that story? Like the problem with that story is. I th- okay, I don't remember the exact phrasing. It was going to be, I'm going to die. Oh, you're going to get killed. Now, I'm going to take your face off, blah, blah, blah. But like, either I kill you or you get sodomized, right? But that doesn't mean you enjoy the sodomy. It means you want to live. Now, the when first you come time. back, the first time. The first time, but he kept coming back. That was the point. But, but the thing is, though, I guess the issue with that story and in, in in what it's supposed to be doing, at least to me, it feels like he's having that conversation because it's supposed to serve as an opportunity for him to uh, have some contemplation about the last target, which is the client. And when he gets to the client and the client says, oh, well, I didn't really know what would happen. I just said, take care of it. But I didn't really know what that meant. And like that absolves the dude because he's thinking of that story does he really because really he Uh makes this point right before he goes like it's at the very beginning he mentioned the client and they like do the chapter six thing he says like you know wealthy people as targets once they happen like 
you know, the police own you more and it's harder to effort to put into it depends on the wealth of the client. Yeah. And so like basically he might be able to get to him easily and take him out, but that's gonna make it where it, basically the side of me would never end. I guess it's supposed to be the idea. Well, I think I think the point of it was that what a person is doing versus what they really want is two different things, right? It's just whoa, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's say that again. Like what a person is actually doing is counteractive to what they actually want. Like meaning that like so the hunter is wanting to be sodomized, so therefore he keeps messing with the bear. But how does that work for the client in this case? It works for the killer. So I think this is my this is my theory, is that the killer, to the point, to the example, what I'm saying about wanting to get fired, the killer wanted to get fired subconsciously. But how does a hitman stop being a hitman? Like, you don't just be like, hey, I, I quit. Let me turn in my retirement papers, right? It took right, but to cover all of his 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 self, right? Because you got to think this person has no empathy. He doesn't do anything like that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Let's just go with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm thinking from his mindset subconsciously, if I don't want to do a job no more, I mess the job up, I piss my off. Therefore, I got a reason to kill them. And if I kill everybody, then I'm no longer. I don't no longer have to be a killer. Okay, but see, therein lies part of the problem with this movie too, though. So, like, I just watched John John Wick finally for the first time, like about a week ago. Yes. Really, really enjoyed it. Plan to watch the the other ones pretty soon. Um, I got Peacock, so I'll be able to at least check out two and three. Um, Now, here's the issue, though. In that movie, um, once you watch somebody, there's always a repercussion. There's more shit that happens after that now if we gonna say that he him screwing up a job leads to because the thing is like i guess it wasn't clear to me what was supposed to happen because his handler basically says well i didn't think you'd be you'd ever go home back home in a million years why would you go back home yeah um kind of insinuating that once he he made a mistake anybody he was connected to with his so-called life that everybody knew about, like they were all going to suffer the consequences and he'd be scot-free as long as he never returned back, so to speak. Um, so there is a consequence. Like the thing is, I don't think, I don't, part of me w- wouldn't mind buying that, but they put her in the movie. So the script's telling us he wouldn't do that on purpose because it could potentially put her in danger. So that's what's in the script. I'm, I'm just saying like, I'm not trying to like make an insinuation, but like they're just, he knows, rules of the game and even the dude said you know what's up like once you missed that shot you knew what was likely gonna happen right so part of the issue with with how all this looks to me even like taking at face value with what the client says at the end he's like well i didn't mean no harm i ain't got no beef with you yada 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 and he it's like we talking about it like he he did a microtransaction on xbox by mistake he tried to have an assassination we don't know no, but I think part of the point of the movie is that he lets him off after the most feeble excuse. Like the guy gives the worst explanation and basically says, oops, my bad. And that's the guy he lets go, even though that's the guy who's ultimately responsible for everything that happens. Who's responsible for everything that happened and who, and who he because actually he's has zero relationship with. Because he's incredibly rich. I mean, if you, my read of the movie is that he thinks he's like breaking the laws and he thinks he's following the Anton LaVey, basically Satanist oath 
of do as thou wilt as the whole of the law and that he isn't accountable to anybody. But at the end of the day, he's totally accountable, just like everybody else is, to these entrenched, powerful people. Um, he is, I think he is genuinely afraid on some level of the client um, or what will happen to him if he kills the client. Like, I think he just doesn't, it's like to use the Dark Knight Joker metaphor, um, the dog who caught the car, he doesn't know what to do with it. I think even if he had killed the client, he wouldn't know what to do with that car. Like, that's just a whole level of yeah. of level that he's not confident enough to exist in. Mm, I can see that. But it's like, it's weird because this is the one, this is the one thing he, he, he can't shut up, but he won't say this part out loud. Well, well he also, he talks to us. This is the other thing that's interesting. And you know, people like this, they will talk and talk and talk to themselves. And they talk a big game in private, but then in public, they're just as scared as everybody else. So yeah. I read this New York Times thing where they said that he has a total of like 10 lines, spoken lines. He's babbling through the whole movie, repeating the same things. Mm-hmm. But then when he actually talks to other people, he barely ever speaks. Yeah, he and doesn't I'm saying he's like a total coward because he's obviously, you know, not a coward um, in terms of his dealings with other killers in his comfortable world. You know what I mean? That comfortable world, like his familiar yeah. world. In his circle, he's not afraid of anybody. But once he moves outside of his circle... He's very hesitant to do anything. I think that that's my read of it. At that's, least. that's that's what they're going for. I, I mean, and I see. I get. And the other thing that actually did was killing me. This thing I've never seen, like such a lack of security in a thing for something like this. There's like no one anywhere. Like he just yeah. slipped in all kind of places, all willing. Like how's the handler in a situation like this? Have no security. Just that like, was nuts. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, like, that was. Yeah, a lot of overconfidence. A lot of people just set in their ways, thinking like, that work for twenty years, it, it should keep working. It just makes the movie feel really, like it almost felt like a fever dream. Like I kind of couldn't even believe some of this. Like I could buy a lot of what was happening, but it was just like it just all looks so easy. It reminds me the most of American Psycho because you have this unfeeling, not protagonist, but anti-hero who constantly tells us that there's like really nothing inside of him, that there's nothing going on there. He's not really a whole person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't care about any of this. But why American Psycho works really well is that it's really funny. Like it's yeah. super funny. It's like making fun of that type of soulless guy, but it's also hilarious. And this movie isn't really funny except like very dryly funny the way that the smiths the band that he listens Mm -hmm. to constantly are like very dryly funny if you really listen to the words and really pay attention but i think a lot of people hear the smiths and they're just like oh it's just depressing i mean you know i'm only getting to hear the little bits there so that that's what it felt like it was going for i feel like there's more going on but i'm not listening to you know like i didn't know which band that, that was they were referencing there although um I did, Key, there is something you said I, I thought it was worth harking it back to. <laughs> the other thing that had me laughing is like the dude goes from like this. And I'm I'm I, in many ways, like this is where having security around will make it more exciting. And when you make it up like they're just getting pinpointed, it wouldn't be that interesting. So like he starts out as like this very, very pa- patient sniper. And then after that, he's like, yeah, screw all that. Like he has like these huge patches of weapons. 
he and he had like all these knives and all these other things, and he takes like a single gun with him. And I'm like, what? I thought you had like fifteen guns. Like, why would you go with one? Oh, it was just like so. It was he's making these weird choices. It's like he felt like he kept getting bolder, and he just he just wanted actually action. He he wanted a fight, like you know, he's fighting the the dude in Florida. It felt like he could have took him out all sorts of ways that were easy. It's like he wanted to like really physically get in there. Will yeah, you know how many times one of my favorite games, like game series, got to be Hitman. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because it's so freaking ridiculous, and there are so many different ways that you can kill somebody. But then sometimes you do get to that point, like you like, man, I'm trying to do the most fancy way to get this kill. <laughs> no, no hide, no costume, no, no, no slipping some poison in the coffee, no, right, right, no like shooting the, the the chandelier falling their yeah. head just on time. None of that. I'm just gonna go straight in, just balls to the walls, and start shooting. And most times you. You can get, you know, gunned down, but then there's times you do it and then you just run out and you complete the mission. So I don't know, it kind of made me think about that too. I mean, there's certain things about I, I think it's one of the movies that's like um I didn't I had no expectations about it because I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know David Fincher was involved until after I watched it, to be honest with you. Mm. Um I did like, like I said, I do like the mood of it. Certain things that I was thinking as I was watching it would make it were kind of elevated to me and I think part of it is like probably less of the narration that you're talking about but I was thinking about I, I just feel like it, it works so well when it's quiet it really does right but what if what if like just bear with me for a second like every chapter where they introduce a new character instead of us following the killer at that moment mm-hmm. we follow that character yeah it'd be interesting so that way we feel something even when they get killed and we're or or like we we subtly see him doing stuff in the background like we we see it they don't notice it because we're still following the killer right yeah but but we need people to kind of feel like oh man like almost like like we want them to survive like there's this um yeah like that's just interesting i don't know if i've even seen a movie do that before yeah i've never seen anything do it and for there's this um comic it's a webtoon actually it's korean webtoon called the boxer probably Mm -hmm. one of the most fantastic like slept on stories on webtoon so essentially just to tell y'all real quick what it's about it's about this um this this coach who's essentially a a sociopath he -hmm. meets this boy that has like natural talent in fighting or whatever this but the boy is like an extreme like emo like the child went through so much right but he Mm -hmm. trains this child all the way up to be an elite boxer and it's like he's so he's so cold at boxing that it's demonic like and so like every time there's a new challenger that tries to face him you follow that character and what they have to go through to train to fight him Mm -hmm. no one can beat him though but but at the same but every time you always have somebody to root for and you see their whole backstory and what they have to gain and what they have to lose and stuff like that because the protagonist is is unbeatable so it's almost like the reverse of like it's like if you're looking at an animal, yeah I find that very interesting yeah well yeah, it's like just, if you took if you took um what if you shot you got it I just found it it looks awesome. It is pretty good. Like it's like if you yeah, took a, really good, yeah. A protagonist from an anime like Goku, and instead of having him good, he's just not good, not bad, but he's also like invincible. 
<laughs> so it's 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 a pretty good story. Y'all should check it out. But I was thinking like, okay, because the killer moves like that almost in certain ways, like a force of nature throughout this film. But what yeah. if we followed the victims? Because I thought the victims were way more interesting. Like especially um, Tina Sweden's character. Like I liked that whole scene that she was in. Right? Yeah, I loved her. I also yeah, like the whole dynamic with the receptionist. And I'm thinking like, I really don't want this lady to die when she says you know, I can't just disappear. Like I have to have, I have to leave something for my children. I'm really rooting for her to live. And then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, all right, I, I really don't like that. He just killed her. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Guys, <laughs> except for one guy, <laughs> except for two people. Um, but she's facilitated countless killings. So it's yeah. like, right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I, I didn't, there's nobody. Well, look, man, he had to kill a cab driver that was ridiculous yeah well it's weird that he lets the weird movie law that's almost like a meta commentary on movies themselves or something where he doesn't kill the dog and that goes to great to not kill the dog Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the dog was coming for him and he could have shot him but i don't know the dog was coming fast the dog could have probably took him because that dog was was coming yeah (laughs) i kind of get that the dog has some pretty good acting he responded uh just as you you would Expect a, a man's best friend to respond and go, Oh, he is a dead. I'm gonna go get this guy. Diva. That is so sad to me in any movie when like a dog sees or anytime a dog sees like their person dead. Oh it's, that's pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, this movie it has some things that I like. I it was just so hard to like feel connected to what was happening. Because, I mean, that scene with the handler still bothers me, where he really goes out his way to be like, look, you know the rules of the game, and I at least thought that that helped make you rich, you know, after all this time. We we built this thing from the ground up. I thought you had some kind of respect for me. Some, you know, we had some kind of relationship with each other, you know. And he's like, nope. I'm just gonna... The handler did try to get him killed, but... But that's the rules of the game. The whole thing is just... Also, the manner that he kills him is really horrible. Like, it just... It seems like he wants to, like, not just kill him, but also humiliate him by entering his into his space, by showing how easy it was to get there. I did also really... I didn't... Now, this is something I actually just really, like, negative for me. He shoots him... It was because I, I figured he's shooting with the nail gun. But yeah. I was like, oh, shit, he got him in the, in the lungs. That's Ooh, so horrible. Yeah. Well, 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 no, but it was like, then he was like, all right, now you'll tell me what I want. And I'm like, he's gone, dude. He's like, after you have six or seven minutes to do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? How could they save him? I was like, I was like, it's possible that like in movie magic, he has six or seven minutes. Like this is freezing. Goku fighting on Namek for 15 episodes. But he should just be dead. Like right now, he is dead right now. What the hell is this professional shows up? If they get there in a minute and they're like, "Oh, okay, it's three Pull these nails out, like what the fuck? He's he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. what what's he doing? Like, I'm saying, what's the script have this professional doing? That was confusing. He's dead, dead. He didn't hit him in the arm. He hit him in the lungs. That was weird. Anyway, was it so, supposed to be his heart? I don't know. Was the, that like I said, because that's the thing. Like the 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 decisions are so uneven that you can't tell if he's just feeling manic and angry or he's just lost his mind or he just wants that smoke. Like, you can't tell. 
hell. But he's like, hey, I know I just shot you in the lungs, but I need you to show me what other stuff is. I know you would never put this on the cloud. Now, you got yeah, 10 more seconds to hello like we put the 911 thing in front of him and makes him move a whole bunch i'm like i don't even know why he's trying to go for it like that because that ain't gonna help him he can't what are you gonna do 911 emergency i'm gonna talk with my lungs full, filled up with blood here um there's the movie thing that just makes it resonate more will you remember it like we'll remember that scene forever in a way that we wouldn't remember if you just shot him like in the leg or something yeah and fincher I mean, is super good at just cruelty like fincher is super good at just depicting awful cruelty like things that go a little further than they need to go and like any other movie would like that the the lust manner of death in seven stands out to me the like leather suit is horrible and it's like how did anybody think of that and then fight club has some stuff along those lines um he's just he's good at that memorable little extra touch where you're just like that is really awful thanks thanks for that memory I mean, and I agree. I just, I don't want my killer then going, all right, now I need you to talk and tell me. <laughs> tell me what I need to know. <laughs> like he's Batman or something. Like he's just doing regular Batman stuff and he set up and shot him in the lungs. <laughs> it made me bust out laughing. I was like, this is goofy as hell. Like, what's going on? Um, but I did actually appreciate that he did show some man. I did not have to kill that lady in the bathroom. I would have been upset. I ain't going to lie. I was like, don't do this. It's- the receptionist? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm like, this is enough, man. You, you don't have to do this, too. But. It's weird. I was really into it for the first half, and I feel like the halfway point is where he starts going back and killing them, and that's where the movie got less interesting to me because I was like, he's just going to kill everybody. And it's not like a Kill Bill where it's like, oh, he's got to take on these increasingly interesting villains and defeat them. At some point, it becomes kind of anticlimactic where it's like once he kills the... What's the guy called? The Bruiser or something? Mm-hmm. You know Tilda Swinton's not going to put up a better fight than that guy. And well, you it's know- only frustrating because yeah. no one's going after him. Like, my the thing that's really confusing, like I was saying like, like with the John Wick stuff, there's several other assassin movies, but like, they, if you do something, a contract's coming after you for breaking some kind of code, yada, yada, yada. It's not like people didn't know he it, you know what I mean? Like, it would have been easy to trace and figure out. Um, so, the I mean, I just wanted there to be somebody going after him as he's doing all this stuff. That's why when I say it's easy or felt easy, it's that piece of it. Like the idea that this big network of people would just be going down and nobody it's goes. Intentional, hey. though. It's intentional, though, because like Fincher knows that you're supposed to ramp up and have it get worse and worse and have that be a more and more dramatic movie. So he makes a deliberate decision to downshift about three fourths of the way in. Mm hmm and make it more about is he going to kill these people or not and i just don't understand why like i just i wish i understood the point of it a little more well i guess but see it puts it more in his so like to your point okay so once he does that i guess the decision is he's going to have the upper hand on uh the expert and on the client so it's more in his hands to make the decision whether to do it or not. And they kind of demonstrate that immediately with the expert. Actually, he catches both of them completely off guard. He's mm-hmm. in the middle of just trying to have a dinner in public. And he makes it clear from the jump, like, I got to jump on you. You ain't not, you ain't equipped to handle this. You might got a little knife, but I, whenever I feel like doing this, I'll, I'll do it right here in front of everybody. Or I'll do it outside, but I'm going to do it. I guess what I like is that he defeats himself in the end, in my reading, mm-hmm. where he really doesn't have the cojones 
too. That was the worst pronunciation of cojones ever. Uh, <laughs> There's worse than the he, he doesn't have it in him to kill the expert. There's something in him. There's some self-censoring thing in him that keeps him from killing. I'm sorry. There's some self-censoring thing in him that keeps him from killing the client. And what is that thing? Like, is it just that he's like a dog on a leash? I think he is kind of a dog on a leash. And like, even if they drop the leash, he still wouldn't run. He just is so, so who he is and so used to his station. And he tells Mm -hmm. himself that he's free, but he's really not. He's free in his own head, but in his actual interactions with people, people who are more powerful than he is, he isn't. And I think the only person he meets he's really who is really more powerful than he is is the client. So mm-hmm. I just, but like I guess it's an interesting character study. It's one of those movies where I have to think about it and go, did they need two hours to make so, that? So so but you, you know the thing about that, see it's if and that's if I'm even if I'm even reading it. Hang on real quick. If I'm even reading it right, because I might I might be reading it totally wrong. No, I, I so I, like I actually buy that reading a lot. I guess the funny thing about that is the client to me is is a liar from the jump. Mm-hmm. Kind of don't know if the killer totally gets that. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But the thing is, the only other time we have anybody talk about the client is when the handler's talking about him. Although I think they call him a lawyer. Um, but when mm-hmm. he's talking about him, he's calls him a very angry, very powerful man. Mm-hmm. And he's not very angry when he's talking to the dude who can snuff him out immediately. And maybe he is, but maybe also the lawyer was lying. Like, I don't trust anybody's words when they're speaking to him. Right. Well, you know, because the brute don't talk to him at all. Um, it works out for saying, it's you, and you're the one from, you know, Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones who speak to him, I feel like they're all lying to him about something. I think that's at fair. At some point. And, and so I think that's that's one of the things that makes the movie so interesting to me. And honestly, that's why in many ways, all the stuff, because like, I, there's really, after he said the first few times his rules, I don't really have a reason to be in his head anymore. To me, it's almost cooler and more self-contemplative if we just get to worry about the dialogue said by everybody else because that's way more interesting there's so much just weighed down by all this extra these are my thoughts like that's not interesting at all to me the other stuff if you just let him take his actions and us watch his actions and then watch those people speak to him to me like that's so much more interesting everything about that is where the meat of the film is. It's not in his head. The stuff in his head is like, oftentimes it's like a waste. Like, but the stuff that's in front of us and watching him methodically go through everything, or like you said, keep procedurally, like, I feel like that's where the movie really shines the best. And when we talk just about these characters and we really focus more on what they're doing, I think that is where it's more interesting. But it's like, it gets so bogged down by all this other stuff that's really not serving the movie at all yeah i wonder if it's like an a seemingly very active character who's actually a passive character yeah it really is though that's how i read it i think i think that's interesting i feel like everything like he's all trying to convince himself of something but that he can't even really like meet yeah yeah i agree 
I guess that's I would guess that's the point the movie is making is that this guy is is trapped um, and that he's that it's metaphorical for all of us or something like that. Um, because he's the one of the, or the many. What, how do they put it? Yeah, he oh. says, don't he says, be one of the few. Don't be one of the many. But then at the end, he says, I am one of the many. Yeah, that's a good that's a good man. Yeah, that's really good that you thought of that. Yeah. Because I I totally forgot that, but I think it is like that. I think he is about him discovering that he's one of the many in the end, not one of the few. And I feel like Fight Club gets into that too. Just the idea of, you know, are you? I mean, the the line I remember the most from Fight Club is, "You are not your job." Like that, you are bigger than this position you've been assigned to. Um, and I think the killer is kind of exploring that too. Like, what does it mean to be a person? Are you just a blip? Social network gets into this also. Um, or are you sp- as special as you are in your own head? But that's the thing. Like, I feel like the movie's doing all of that, and I'm so interested in that. It's all that other stuff that just feels like it's in the way. Like it's not, it's not even like it's simply not doing anything. Like I feel like it's negatively impacting the film. Yeah. Yeah, I did get to the I mean, my reaction to it at the end was like, uh that that's the movie but as i think about it more i wonder if i do kind of like it in retrospect based on our talk about it i like it more in some ways now that we've talked through it some more but it actually just frustrates me more about like all if if you could give me a version of this movie where i literally don't have to hear that inner dialogue like i wonder what i would think of it yeah the thing is that i don't dislike the movie i kind of like it but i I, I like it in a way that I would never watch it again, but enough to where I was like, you know, it's an interesting character story. And like, once again, I did like the mood of it. I do also like the sounds and the cinematography and, the, and all those little things right there and and how tension is built throughout the film. Yeah. And also, it was, it was one of the movies that I was watching with my wife and I was expecting her to fall asleep and she didn't. So, because it felt like such a slow burn but she was like really interested. And I I do base a lot of, if I like something based off how much she's into something because she, I, I don't know, it's, it, she's an interesting critic in film when it comes 100%. to movies. I so, so like a movie that, because on one end, I was like, I, I wasn't too interested after the first, I don't know, was it the first 40 minutes? I was like, you tell like after, I was really into it in the beginning and then I started to trail off but she was still into it and it made me lean into it a little bit more until you know until we until we finished it. So I don't know. I I think there's something there. It's not, you know, it's not one of those things like where I'd be like, man, I just freaking enjoy this film, like in a way that a person can really enjoy John Wick. Now, now mind yeah. you, John Wick is balls through walls action, but it's also pretty good storytelling, though. And you oh, kinda, yeah. And, and the motivations is so simple. Like, you know why Wick is doing what he's doing, you know? Um, it might not be fair to compare those movies because this is a more methodical movie and it does take its time in certain areas. But I don't know. I, I think it's also just a, a matter of choice because it's like what... It's like, like let's say, if you want to watch a Scorsese film, do you watch The Killers of Flower Moon or do you just watch Goodfellas? <laughs> you know, if you have mm-hmm. I think this almost like turns John Wick inside out where John Wick has like a very clear setup, very clean setup. It's kind of funny 
like the idea of this all started because this stupid Russian kid stole his car and killed his dog could have prevented all this stuff. And then it just mm-hmm. perfectly escalates, keeps escalating and getting worse. You don't really learn that much about John Wick's process. Um, <laughs> you don't, you don't spend that much time on like, Oh, how did he get from there to there? Um, and it definitely ramps up and gets like more and more and more crazy as it goes, especially in the movie, if you watch all four movies, but this one is like, it's actually going to deflate at one point and get less crazy. And we're going to spend an incredible amount of time in his process. And while John Wick always says like seven words per movie, this guy's just going to bury you in dialogue and justification and who he thinks he is. It's, it's interesting. It is interesting. You know, it may, we were talking about this. It made me think about um, a lot of the Coen brothers films. Yeah. So, was I'm, I'm trying to see because it's even like that with um the movie that Aaron hates, No Country for Old Men. Oh, Aaron, totally, <laughs> totally. Well, that's like a total crackerjack movie. Like up until like the Woody Harrelson, um, the Woody Harrelson and Llewellyn standoff. I don't remember the Woody Harrelson's name, but you're just like, oh my gosh, this is cat and mouse. Like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And then the movie's just like, we don't care about this anymore. Llewellyn's dead. Yeah. But but it's 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 that thing because I just recently watched I don't know if we talked about this Tim but I watched um, Burn After Reading. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me to get, you told me it's good. Yeah, I mean the whole thing and like all of their movies, whether it's Fargo, Burn After Reading, or No Country for Old Men, is that the characters' obvious character flaws cause the conflict of the whole movie. Like it's <laughs> almost like if they would just chill down, nothing would even happen, right? Like it's too many moments in those in in a lot of their movies where if a character just at one point said, "Hey, let me think about this," it would be no movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I always think that that's that's always interesting because even if, I forgot what it was about No Country for Old Men because I know Aaron talked. It's about been it. years and years and years, but I mean, it it I remember part of it was like some dude had a track of work to some, and then well, no, it was some about the protagonist and his decision to go back. What it, was it when he went back and with the money, got the money or something? It was some he did that he you missed some stuff. Like right? he missed it was some in the bag. He missed something stupid, and I was like, it's "What? Like how? Do, if you count the money, how the hell would this even happen?" Like uh, whatever. I don't remember. It's been a while. I thought there was one guy when he takes the money who says "agua," and he realized that this guy is going to basically whatever it means when you die of thirst and he's yeah. like i can't handle it i gotta go back and give this guy water and that's the big mistake like it's completely that mistake that's what it was yeah oh yeah when he basically <clears throat> had left them folks for dead in the first place lord i get okay. it right? anyway. but imagine somebody like somebody in the desert no water you know it's your fault but you 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 left them for dead already. To, That's to, the first time, dude. Because yeah. like, the thing is, what you gonna get them money back? And be like, hey, here's some water and the money back. Because if you ain't giving them the money back, I mean, wor- worse is gonna. Ha- you gonna keep them alive for worse to happen to him. Oh, true. Uh, it, it, but that's a human. That's a, that. But that also is what makes the story stories like that so. It's yeah. Like like even when I so, so I just been watching a lot of that stuff. Even when I watch Blood Simple, which I think is amazing to me, yeah. like. Such a simple little thriller and stuff. My wife didn't like it, by the way. But I love, I freaking love Blood Simple. <laughs> like, <laughs> I read the script and everything, but um, it's the same, it's the same thing. But anyway, I talk about the corn. Bro. There's other stuff past that that will drive me crazy, but but that 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 in particular did have me buzzing. I laughed. I like this is the goofiest thing. I mean, once it starts and it's doing its thing, it's whatever, but there's other stuff beyond that. But 
Yeah. Anyway, I, a bit over well made movie. I give it that. I just don't buy some of the some of the things it's doing. Um, yeah, understandable. You should watch Burn after reading if you haven't seen it yet, Aaron. It's a trip. I haven't yet. No, I'm I gotta watch that. It's, it's, Maybe this weekend. It's on Netflix. There's so much good stuff coming out. I'm so this is such a cool moment again. Like for us to kind of like you know the strikes over. You know people getting their stuff back going. Some really good stuff on the slate to watch. Uh, pretty consistently coming up. I mean, this one disappointed me, but you know, I mean, we've seen things come out much worse than this, so I'm I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. all right. So, man, if y'all got this far, we appreciate it. Uh, definitely would like for you to rate, review, subscribe, all that. Tell a friend about this episode. It was mm-hmm. so amazing. You just have to see this tape and this analysis is so brilliant. It happens every uh-huh. week on the Low Key <laughs> Podcast. You got to keep coming back. Um, let's see, Tim. Anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, I just wanted to somehow work in a quote from an article we have on MovieMaker.com today. Uh, where Eli Roth is asked about critics and how he feels about bad reviews of horror movies and some of his movies. And he just says, the only critic who matters is time. And yeah, amen. Interesting. That's dope. That's for real. Hmm. Think, think about how bad um, Citizen Kane was, was reviewed. <laughs> Man, you know, that, that is... Uh, I, I remember hearing that when it came out, it wasn't uh, well received. So that's interesting. But that's because, um, what's the name? Randolph William Hearst was trying to shut it down anyway. No. Yeah. It, was, it was essentially about him, so. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, Keith, where can people find us on the socials? Yeah, on Instagram at the low key pod. All right, perfect. With that, uh, we'll toast to this episode. Uh, thanks again for making it this far. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.